You know, we try to say like ABM is a program, not a team. So there are many people that can deliver ABM, but just again, just because they stamp a logo on something and send it out doesn't mean that it's an ABM um, tactic. So trying to identify what that is and then kind of as, as it spreads to many different teams um, to know what's happening. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the B2BMX Podcast. I'm Claudia Tarico, and I'm here with my co-host, Kelly. Wow, I cannot believe we're already on episode six. Time flies when you're having fun, right, Kelly? Absolutely. It feels like just yesterday I was up all night in anticipation of our first episode, and now here we are. So today we're taking you all back to the Phoenician as we replay how Google Cloud and ServiceNow meet their customers where they are with ABM, which was moderated by our friends at Follows. Yeah, I loved this session so much because it truly provided attendees with a behind-the-scenes look into how two successful brands, such as Google Cloud and ServiceNow, are delivering highly customized and targeted account-based programs and experiences. So throughout the session, the experts discussed everything from leveraging a blended model between one-to-one and one-to-many to scale globally across regions and verticals, how to build account-based experiences based on well-defined content programs that kind of also supports the account segmentation strategy and even how to stay agile without making sacrifices on personalization or brand and data compliance. All right, it's time to give the people what they came here for. Let's roll that tape. Thank you everybody for attending. Uh, Like she said, Carrie Fjord, Desiree Daniels, ServiceNow and Google Cloud. Um, and just to kind of like kick things off, I asked them to join us. There's so many buzzwords in ABM. There's a lot of slides that look really great, but don't exactly tell you what to do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, these two do it for a living. Everything from the check-ins to the one-on-ones, to talking with sales, to selecting the accounts. And I think ABM looks a little bit different at every single company too. So what I asked them to do was, look, people are not here to hear from me. They're really interested to hear from other people who do the job. Uh, and I would love to have them on stage and uh, walk us through kind of a day in the life. So they're going to walk through a little bit like what their ABM programs look like, a little bit what's the stage that each of them is at at their company. Um, And then we're actually going to walk through an example of, hey, at the end of the day, once you do it all right, what should this look like from the customer's perspective? So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. And um, where we wanted to start was before we get to technology, Uh, which I know is everybody's favorite thing. Um, Talk about, hey, it takes a village. This is not a one-person job. You need to have the right team and people in place. And each of these people, um, Carrie and Desiree, is at a different place in their journey, in their company's journey with ABM. Um, So Carrie, maybe we'll start with you. Uh, Walk me through what does your team look like, or teams, and um, how do your teams interact with each other in terms of account coverage? Because accounts are going to move from one team to another. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a journey and it started before I even got to ServiceNow. Um, you know, we kind of started with a one-to-one and a, a couple of one-to-few, a cluster or two. Um, and really the program's grown and it's changed and then changes goes a different direction. It kind of just depends on what the company, the business needs um, from ABN and, and from marketing in general for that year, a couple of years. I think right now we're at a really healthy place where 
We have dedicated teams in AMS, EMEA, and APJ that handle the one-to-one -one accounts, and then we have global teams that handle the one-to-few or one-to-many. Um, I'm on the team, um, I lead the one-to-few team at the moment. We have about five clusters, um, we call them imperative-based clusters, but the way that we score the accounts and decide on the accounts, um, once they're in the program, we also have what you'll see on the screen is kind of these account handoffs. So if someone's performing really well in a one-to-many and showing us the signs, and the account team is ready, we can move them up to a one-to-few. If they're performing really well in a one-to-few, then we do a handoff to the one-to-one -one team, because we know that this account is now engaged, they've been reading the content, maybe we've sold our first deal, and they really need more of that one-to-one -one touch. And then vice versa, right? If the account team changes, they can go down to a one-to-few. If we see in one-to-few that their accounts that just aren't buying in, or we've been told we can't email into them, then maybe they're more primed for a one-to-many approach. Um, so that's kind of where we are now. I think we're at a very mature place. Um, but it's a different flavor for, for each company. Definitely. Um, and then Desiree as the global ABM lead at Google Cloud. Um, I think you've been there, we were talking like around two years. Um, so ABM is a little bit younger at Google Cloud. ServiceNow is more kind of like a crown jewel. Um, so walk me through what your team, no S at the end, looks like, uh, and then how accounts are split and how you guys do a little bit of the clustering. Yeah, so similar to what Carrie said, it's very much an evolution. So I would say, you know, Google Cloud as a um, culture is very customer centric. It's part of the DNA. And over time, we realized that ABM was absolutely deserving of a seat at the table within go to market functions. And um, I started as an IC uh, with 11 accounts in a region, and then uh, we went to a co-lead model where we built out an ABM COE, and now we have four industries where each of us have taken our own respective industry, um, and we focus on one-to-few programs as well as one-to-one, -one. and we partner with our like always-on undercurrent of one-to-many, um, so that's on another team, but it's very close collaboration with sales and our go-to-market ecosystem. And, and all of the industry stakeholders that we partner with. So it's absolutely an evolution. I think we're on ABM 3.0, um, but that's to be expected, right? Because you know, your, your business needs, the needs of your sales function is always evolving and ultimately your customer is always evolving. So that's, that's kind of what drives our ABM evolution is how do we remain as customer centric as possible and adapt to their needs, not just like a, a product message. And um, Desiree, I'm going to pick on you just for 30 seconds, but uh, this quote down here in the corner, we talked about this. Um, I'd love for you to explain that because I don't want people walking away saying you have to build one-to-one -one everything. Um, that's not what you were trying to say, but you were saying something similar. Um, so explain that quote to me. Yeah, so I think when people assume ABM, they think, oh, it has to be one-on-one, -on -one. it has to be as bespoke as possible, but a lot of leaders expect uh, scale as well. So we really think about that 80-20 principle. How can we cluster accounts to the broader group? What are those themes or commonalities that unify those stakeholders within those accounts? And then, you know, what are the things that we can personalize that last 20% that really make it feel like it's made for them? Um, we, we started uh, with data in our clustering strategy. We realized that industry was also a really natural, holistic way um, to strategize and cluster our messaging and personas. And then now we've gone a step further to think about well, who are these actual individuals and what is their maturation with the themes that we're focusing on and how do we meet them where they are. Awesome. So let's go ahead and figure out how we scale that because doing it for one account is very easy. Doing it for thousands is where it gets difficult. Um, and so this is supposed to be a little bit provocative. It looks like 
uh, I'm going to fill in with the word industry there, and that is not what is going to appear on the screen. I asked the two of um, Carrie and Desiree to explain to me, like, when you think about the actual messaging, like the individual words you put on uh, your digital experiences, your emails, where do those words come from? Because, again, that's not a job that just one person can do. And uh, one thing that really stuck out, the two of you actually agreed on this. Um, you're right, we might pick our accounts or cluster based on industry or sub-industry, but that is not how the messaging and the content is selected for those accounts, even if they were clustered based on industry. So what um, Carrie and Desiree really impressed on me was that more than industry-based messaging is we need to talk about imperative-based messaging. Um, and this was kind of a first for me, so I'm not going to try and explain this. I'm going to ask Carrie to. But the one thing that I loved Carrie said, which I'll, I'll kind of tee it up, is um, when I asked her, hey, I've never heard that before, like what is imperative-based messaging? The way Carrie explained it was if you think about what those accounts or even that account needs to get done in the next 12 to 18 months, what is it that we at ServiceNow or we at Google Cloud can do to help them get there? And that has very little to do with their industry, right? That has everything to do with the initiatives that those companies or that company are partaking in. So Carrie, if you could expand a little bit more on like what is imperative-based messaging and why is this not just a new flavor of verticalizing our messaging? It's really important because um, to me this is what helps distinguish um, and uh, dispel some of the confusion around ABM. People think that if you put a logo on a piece and send it to that account, that's account-based messaging. Well, if it's still all about your product and solution, then it's not, in, in my opinion, in my opinion. Um, so when you get to the imperative-based messaging, you can do this in a one-to-many, one-to-fewer, one-to-one model. At the end of the day, you're telling um, that account, you're speaking to that account in their words. You're, you're saying, I understand what you need to get done. Here's how, you're gonna, here's how I can help you do that. And it's not just about, here's a product, here's a solution, here's um, the messaging they've heard over and over again and that they can very easily find on your website. The message that we're delivering to them is tailored and specific to them. Um, so we really have to take a look at, we go through the workshops, we do the research, we talk to industry experts, we talk to the account teams. It takes months to develop this messaging that we're gonna put in front of the customers because it's so specific to these accounts or this set of accounts. Um, one of the reasons we've tried to really refine this as well is that we were having confusion with industry marketing because you can often cluster accounts around an industry and then say, okay, great, well, guess what? We have SKUs for manufacturing, we have SKUs for technology. That's great, you have SKUs and you have products, but how does it help them? What are you doing for them? Have you checked out the priorities on their website? Can you map how your products and solutions are gonna help them with those priorities to achieve what they need to get done? So at the end of the day, we said, we know their imperatives, we know their initiatives, we know the people who um, are in charge of the programs and in the places to make those changes, and then that's who we target with the imperative-based messaging. And now we need to scale that too. So how do we do that for multiple industries, multiple teams? And this is where I think we're going to double click a little bit. Um, so each of you, we talked about this a ton, but it's not just one vertical, it's not just one industry. So how do you start to map all of this out so that this becomes a little bit more repeatable? And you can also do this as a team, right? This isn't just one person that becomes uh, the bottleneck. So we'll start with you, Carrie. But um, what I thought was really interesting, we had to get rid of the, the names, of course, for these um, images. But you showed me a specific account plan for one account. But I don't think it was necessarily like all handcrafted. It was pulling from a lot of other pieces. So kind of walk me through what are the pieces at ServiceNow when it comes to the messaging? 
um, and how does that help your team scale? So when we look at it, um, we follow the ITSMA framework. So we look at the imperatives and the initiatives and we develop the three ABM plays. So you can see an example of those ABM plays here that would map back to those initiatives. Um, and then from there, we deliver the flight plan based, based on that. And where we know that that account is gonna go, we look at some of, right, obviously the intent data, what they're talking about and how we say it in their words. Um, where this also helps then in terms of scale, lookalike accounts, right? If there's an account that looks like this, you can deliver similar messaging to them. Maybe it's then not ABM in the sense that you haven't done specific relevant research about their account priorities, but you're gonna have a pretty good match with a lookalike account, right? And so that's where we can achieve the scale. That is not delivered by the ABM team. That is then passed off to field, campaigns, whoever can deliver that message out into the organization. But it's based, you know, it comes from this place of an, a of an ABM ITSMA framework. And then um, Desiree, when we look at your side of the slide, uh, I love frameworks, like that's my dirty secret. If it fits into a two by two, I know it's gonna make everybody work a little bit more efficiently. So Desiree, your slides were incredibly well designed, right? Like you had a lot of stuff. I think Carrie, you even said something like, oh, I wish I had a version of that. Um, so you're seeing a blank version of it on the, the right side of the screen, but can you almost walk us through like, what is that, that graph we're looking at and how, how should I read it if I was on your team? Yeah, sure. So I guess taking a step back, um, we also follow the ITSMA framework at Google Cloud. Um, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm one industry as a part of four industries, so I have counterparts in healthcare and TMEG as well as finance, um, and I cover retail. So we have a, a nine-step uh, go-to-market framework for ABM. Um, where it really starts with defining those goals, looking at your target account list, and doing a deep account analysis. So we're not only looking at like what are the right accounts that we should choose, because there's many accounts in an industry. Retail is the one that I cover. But we should only really be focusing on a tangible amount. Um, so we really break those clusters into 25 or less, and then we sub-cluster, so sub-industry. If you look at retail, you could see CPG and retail fashion. Um, and when we look at each account, we're looking at stakeholders in those individual accounts, we're looking at the themes that unify those accounts, and then we're lastly looking at a stack, stack rank of the group and the peer set. So what is the maturation of each account against their peers? So you have some in this slide, you'll see cluster one that are considered highly sophisticated and they're leading in their peer set. And then you have those that are cluster five, which are on the opposite end of the spectrum. And we would consider them um, slower to adopt or laggard in their peer set. Um, and that really defines the message, the CTAs, the content, and then when you look at each persona group, which is the next little snippet below it, it's each cluster gets a different design and experience based on their maturation rank, so which cluster they're in, one through five, and then also each persona is gonna have its own nuance of that messaging as well. Um, so you should not be getting the same experience as cluster one if you're cluster five. Um, and it's as simple as that, so this matrix really helps us think about where they are in their journey and that we're not tone deaf and coming in with a message that is way beyond where they are in their stage or way, uh, I guess, something that they've already thought about a long time ago. So it's, it's something that keeps us relevant and meeting people where they are. And um, to tie this back to a couple previous slides, so everything Carrie mentioned about imperative-based messaging, when I saw Desiree's framework, it became really clear to me, right? Because within retail, 
all of the accounts that are going to be listed on the right half of the screen are retail accounts. But you would have some people who are so far along their digital transformation that they're looking for their next most visionary whatever, and then you have you know, the Sears and the, the people who still sell in person if they could afford to. There's nothing wrong with that, but those are two very different kinds of retail accounts, and it's not enough just to appear in front of those people and say, hey, we have retail solutions for you. And I think that's when I really understood, like, that's what it means to be based on the initiatives of the accounts and not just, hey, we know the industry or the vertical that these accounts are in. Um, so now let's start to put the pieces together. You've seen kind of how they map the different messaging and um, the different initiatives for these clusters. How do we actually put it? What is that format uh, digitally these days, of course, because of COVID? Um, what is that format? This is a little bit self-promotional. And talk me through, like, why did you choose to do it this way? I mean, there's so many ways you can do it, right? Um, Carrie, we'll start with you. Um, we, we, we need a way. We create a great content. We knew the imperatives. Well, now we have to get the message out to them. Um, and we are a bit of a content house. We do a lot of great content. And so for us, it was, we, let's, let's put it in the public space. OK, great, you put it in the public space. Well, and then it's not a case of if you build it, he will come, right? You have to push them there. Um, so when we were looking at options to do that, Follows is an integrated way to do that. We had, um, um, I don't want to say difficulties, um, our web team and our digital team are fantastic, but right, they're really focused on um, making sure that there's a structure in place and that there isn't a lot of um, noise to take away from the intent of our website and our digital um, promotions. So uh, Follows gave us the flexibility to set up a place to put this content in 10 minutes or less that, as an old person who doesn't always um, do well with technologies, I can do it. <laughs> if I can do it, anyone can do it. And I can see my own metrics, I can pull my own metrics, I can sh deliver my own metrics, I can send out emails. Um, and the sales team loves it because this is a way for us to keep the sales team engaged. It's not just saying, hey, I have a marketing automated, automated platform and I'm gonna send um, out 2,000 emails for you for, for you, but from an automated platform um, four weeks from now. No, they, I type in the message, I have the automated links, they come in, they approve it, it goes, we have Office 365, so it integrates to Office 365 and it goes through their outbox. Any replies they receive and they can have now a back and forth conversation with the people who are receiving it. Send them to the board, oh, you had a conversation with him? Well, he also spent, he or she spent five minutes on the board looking at these two pieces of content. I can have a back and forth conversation with them at any time about any of the people that we've sent information to. And it just became the central point of our ABM outreach. We still do all of the other channels. We still do all of the events. But for me to have those meaningful conversations with sales, I didn't have to go into a platform and wait a week for someone to get a report to me. I, I have it all. I'm having the conversations. And now marketing, ABM in particular, is in control of that conversation with sales and benefiting the customer, right? To the benefit of the customer is what this is all about. How do then the sales team reach out to that customer and say, okay, great, you know, I saw yesterday you did this and now they're having a conversation and we can say, oh, and you downloaded that, right? It's just um, for us has been one of the best tools in our ABM. And to be really specific before we go to Desiree, so Carrie is the leader of one to few at ServiceNow, but what I think I heard you say is that you still build almost like a microsite per account for your accounts in yes. the one to few. So we are able to build one site and then personalize it. So based on domain of where they're coming from. So if we did a manufacturing one, 
Each domain in our cluster would have a personalized banner. You can change the, the um, text. You don't have to and you don't need to change the content, but it, you can have a personalized message. Hey, um, Walmart, right? Thank you for coming to our site. Check out this and that and the other thing. Um, you, you can have your own SDR or AE have their card up top, right? So they're getting, they feel like, oh my gosh, they built this whole website for me? No, we didn't. But you, they think, right? It's how do you get those, how do you meet them where they are? How do you get that personalized experience in front of them without taking up a bazillion hours of your time? And again, as an old person who can do it. Right. Um, okay, so Desiree, now we're going to uh, switch it to you. And remember, Desiree, on the very first slide, she said, hey, one to few, one to one, at the end of the day, it does need to feel like a bespoke experience for the buyer. So I'm kind of teeing you up with that. But um, same question to you, like talk me through how uh, you're putting all the content and messaging together for your accounts. Yeah, so I, I'd say it still goes back to the 80-20 principle. So we have our segmentation by industry, we have our segmentation by subcluster, so maybe your CPG or retail fashion in the example I gave earlier, and then you have your cluster. So are you highly sophisticated, are you somewhere in the middle, or are you trying to catch up with your peer set? And when we're looking at these boards, we're building a lot of the CTAs and the use cases based on that matrix that I showed you. Um, and the best thing about Follows is that it's super scalable. Um, and one thing that we love to do in our ABM uh, you know, rule is really pull from all of the always-on um, programs that already exist. And Google Cloud has amazing industry specialists, global campaigns, sales enablement, customer references, the list goes on. So really our job is curating. How are we making sure that we're pulling the right pieces and then supplementing and creating net new assets where they don't exist and bringing it that extra 20%? Um, and looking at different tools, sure, there's you know, tools within Google that exist, but when we look about what was made for ABM and allows us the most curated experience, follows really came out on top in those evaluations um, and seeing that it's entirely self-service. Um, we also noticed that in everything that we're doing, the level of customization is so imperative to what we do every day. And we also need our BD function and our sales function to have a lot of customization and self-service. So um, it's really in, it, at the heart of everything that we do is that agility, the 80-20 principle, and then allowing for customization at the rate that we need to and plugging into the always-on programs that we have. And um, to wrap up this specific talking point, like. You know, sometimes I get in trouble for saying this, but I think strategy comes before technology. Hot take, I know. But um, what I think is really cool and what you're seeing with the presentation that uh, Carrie and Desiree have prepared for us today is that we did not start on slide one with technology. You did not see a list of vendors. You did not see a, hey, buy this and forget about it and you, know, you get promoted a year later. A lot of the work starts with mapping the messaging in that matrix, right? So that by the time you get to this point of putting the pieces together, that's almost, not to oversimplify the job, but that is almost quite literally all you're doing, right? The pieces have been built and mapped, and all you're doing is saying, hey, account A, that's these six pieces, you're selecting, putting them together, and then that creates the experience that you can deliver um, to your customers. So Carrie actually put it really well, but she said, hey, it's not enough to build it and they will come, so We've built something, so how do people get here is kind of the next piece. Um, yeah, that actually looks pretty good when it's that big on the screen. So um, we'll start with you, Carrie. Yours has a lot more boxes, um, and I kind of had to recreate it so it doesn't quite have as much branding as the other side. 
but talk me through a little bit, like, how am I supposed to read uh, the graph here, right? There's, a, there's like a top half, a bottom half, there's some channels. Can you just walk us through, like, how, how should we understand uh, this thing yeah. we're looking at? Uh, and uh, uh, our agency, we work with an agency that actually helped develop this, you know, with us. But this is what we're talking about. Once the messaging is created, how do you take that messaging into the field? So as I said, we have a lot of content. So we create assets. And then based on those same assets, we create blogs. Based on those blogs, we create a podcast, right? And the, it's all around the three imperatives, the three um, ABM plays. Um, so that's why the color coding matches, right? Those are, you can see how those, those imperatives uh, go through each piece of content and how we take it. And then at the end of the day, we have to put it somewhere. Well, we put it on follows. And then how do we get people to go to follows? We do the outreach through sales and ADRs. We do digital ads to drive them to that content. The blogs are posted on LinkedIn. LinkedIn goes to that content. Um, we have a social platform where sales can sale out, share out the social cards. All of that, right, then funnels to where they get the content. And then we do outreach based on that from sales and SDRs. So um, they talk about the content. They can take it to a sales meeting. Um, but you can see you have to have a really, for us, um, and again, thanks to the agency, we have a really robust plan in place. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the place where we meet them is online on, on a landing page mm -hmm. on follows. And um, one thing we talked about, too, is marketing automation is kind of not in this diagram. And I'm not taking shots here, so please like, don't, don't take that and put it on LinkedIn. Um, but the way I've been thinking about it is, like, let's say you work at a huge multinational manufacturing company and you had 30 customers. It might be silly to buy marketing automation. I mean, you're going to be emailing the same 30 accounts all year. So uh, Carrie, like, why is it not there? Is it a fault of the tech? or? How do you see No, it? and it's the same like what I was saying about the web team. The web team is great, and we had conversations with them, and they approved our use of follows for ABM because that's what you need to do ABM. A lot of tools have been put in place that are fantastic for event-heavy tens and 20 of thousands. When I went to the, our marketing automation team, they said, you know, here's what I need to do. I need to divide this into three different lists, times sales, um, three different plays, times seven different AEs, times five different personas for each AE. Next thing you know, we had 50 different emails going out in the system and to, to 250 people. And so they were like, no thanks. <laughs> They're like, I have a 20,000 person conference that I'm emailing every two days, right, for the next three months. So um, yeah, so that it was just necessary for us to make sure that, again, love the marketing automation tool and the teams, and there's a right time and place for that. But for our ABM efforts, we needed something a little bit different where we could be really tailored. And again, I can put it in the system. The sales team can update it. I can upload the um, Excel list, and it automatically um, divides it by the AE. So it just, it yes, we're, we do this, and I will say, Follows has an integration tool that maps back to our marketing automation tool. So anyone that clicks on something or downloads something, that is the, as long as it's someone that we know, it's tracked back into our marketing automation tool and then follows the flow. Right. So Marketo is still the system of record, but yeah. uh, what is it like? The tech should work for us. We should not work for the tech. Yeah. Um, all right. So Desiree, yours is a little rounder. Um, I like the colors a little bit more. Sorry, Carrie. But um, you, you have a little bit of a leaner team. And there's stuff at Google Cloud that uh, there's so many products uh, for obvious reasons. So can you walk me through uh, your mapping? And I think yours is interesting because there's like some events and some internal one-to-ones on there as well. So like walk us through your, uh, let's say, 75, 90-day plan here. 
Yeah, so what you're seeing uh, behind me on the diagram is, is just meant to show you that it's a multi-channel, long-running program. Um, it combines uh, major milestones from our stakeholders that run global events. It includes personalized content and bespoke roundtables and live casts from the ABM team. And then it also you know, shows you uh, different sales uh, you know, CTAs within this long-running journey. Um, and the cool thing is that, you know, similar to what Carrie said, like we had a, a really uh, long trial and error of like, well, what is the right level of customization and what can we do within the constraints and the keys of the castle that we have in some of our automation tools? So when we were going through this process, we realized that certain industries were more receptive to marketing automation and others were not. Um, in the case of my industry, um, we had a, a huge um, hesitancy with automation. Everything needed to be very personal. Non-HTML performed a lot better. Having direct uh, BD and sales outreach really had a higher return. So we leveraged that. Um, and a lot of our um, program that we have here has a huge dependency on CDR or BDR as we call it. Um, and how can we enable our sellers um, and follows is a great way to do that, as well as um, you know some of the other tools that we use internally um, to make sure that we're giving them the right content, the right data, and the right CTAs along a long-running journey. And how do we measure that effectively? So follows is integrated throughout um, this program, um, and it, it's these programs are six, 12, 18 months long. Um, so really leveraging all of the different tool sets and uh, disciplines within this program to make it function. All right, Carrie, so let's put all the pieces together. Um, I don't want to make it sound easy, but I think at the end of the day, like when it comes to what goes into the pipeline, it's kind of simple, right? It's like you just do the right things, you wait, and then over time you have the right results. So this is like a day in the life. Like we're going to take all of the ServiceNow pieces we just talked about, and this is an opportunity very recently, I think, um, that the ABM team uh, contributed to and was open. But like walk us through the steps and then if you can, touch on all the pieces we've talked about so far. Yeah, um, a lot of pressure. <laughs> okay, um, so uh, we've been dealing, um, trying to reach out to the Department of Defense and we segmented it um, you know, by the individual um, military branches. So one of them is Army, Air Force, right? We have separate landing pages for each of those and then can even have a personalized experience based on the command um, or the part of the Army or command, the military branch that you're trying to work with. As I said, we create a lot of the content. The Sapper um, document was not specific to any one um, part of the military, but it just spoke about it in general, right? So here's this piece of content. We put it out in different places, um, but on the follows boards, right? On these landing pages, so different people are coming to see it. Well, it just so happens, and then we did the email outreach about it, right? And then um, we did, however, did not do digital around this particular topic, just because it can be sensitive. but. Um, during that outreach, right, someone heard about it, goes to the website and views it. Well, it just so happens it was a, a key person, an undersecretary in the military, which is a very high level position. Um, next thing you know, a week later, someone on government relations teams who didn't even know that that was happening because the way that it worked, we didn't know that that person who came to view it to the landing page wasn't as high ranking as they are. But our government relations team was trying to develop a relationship with this person. Happened to call them a week after they viewed the white paper. 
and so again, these are all different motions, right? And I'm working with a, with a solution team to create the content. We're posting it on follows. All of a sudden, government relations team contacts the person. And the next thing you know, um, we are able to set up a meeting because for the past 12 months, and again, this didn't happen overnight, we had been warming up that account. We've been sending a lot of different um, banner ads and other things to um, Army, Air Force, Navy, and driving to these pages. So everyone in the account was now familiar with ServiceNow or starting to hear about it to the point that when you, make, when you make that call in, when someone who knows the people at that high level makes that call in, they can be like, yeah, I was just, I was just reading about something the other day, or I just, I just heard about you, or I was just checking this out. Because as we say, right, 70% of this buying process or this education process happens before a salesperson ever reaches them. So this was a great way to say that that was a warm lead. Now, am I going to get credit for that in my metric system? That's a whole other conversation, right? But, but I know, I know what a great job I did. No, I'm not. <laughs> we, but I, I know, know it works. We, know, no, we all know secret. Uh, that marketing works. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Well, I hope you believe that. It's the wrong room if you don't. Um, OK, so we're going to go through these last two slides very quickly. Um, this is the only slide where I get to speak, but I'm kind of paraphrasing for the two of them. Um, so there's always a question of how do you stay agile and fast? Like scope creep, all of the, the worst nightmares in marketing. Um, and this was something I was very specific about. I was like, wow, y'all sound like you have it so figured out. And I'd almost imagine there's somewhere you don't. So walk me through, like, how do you make sure that everything stays like tip top shape? And there were really three things that the two of them uh, agreed on as well. And I think anytime there are happy coincidences, you should take notes. So the very first one was strong leadership. Um, one of the things that both of you indicated that, hey, a big part of my ability to do good work is having somebody above me who spends more time talking to the people above them and saying, this is what ABM, but also more importantly, is this is what ABM is not. And I know you want to make everything scalable, but there is a ceiling to how much each person can do, and we need to stay within the realms of those bandwidth um, constraints. Uh, the second one, and that's the best segue, is to define the bandwidth. So what was also interesting is both of them said, hey, somewhere internally, we almost have a ceiling of the number of accounts that each individual account-based marketer can actually be given. And what we found is more than that, and you can't do a great job of doing ABM to those accounts, but more importantly, more than that, and you will probably leave this company in six months. It is too much work to do all at one time. Um, and the third thing I thought was really, really interesting, so they're both one to few, right? Very much heavily focused on these like clusters and these verticals. And they said, when it comes to growing our team, like hiring more people, do we look for ABM experience or do we look for industry um, experts, right? subject matter experts? And they said, look, I could have a new industry tomorrow. And then all that stuff I know about retail is cool and doesn't matter anymore. So what it is that we really look for, because the priorities of our companies are changing all the time, is we're looking for people who speak this language. Like regardless of the industry, they understand how to do account-based marketing well, the structure, the framework, a lot of what I think we presented and talked about today. Um, so that being said, this is always my favorite slide to end on. Um, nobody's perfect, although y'all are closer than I, I think some other people I've spoken to recently. Um, and so I always want to ask, even the best of the best of the best, have things that they're working on, their next steps, their next big milestone. And so I ask each of you, like, hey, give me your three as best you won't get in trouble for saying on stage. 
Um, what are like the, the big next three things that you and your team are looking to accomplish within ABM, right? Everybody's on their own ABM journey. So we'll wrap up here, but Carrie, um, one minute for you, and then we'll do one for Desiree. Um, okay, so I had mentioned this earlier. We are having still these conversations, and we've been, this has been at ServiceNow for five to six years, so ABM is not new, but just trying to identify what it is and what it isn't, what the ABM team can deliver versus what we can scale, how other teams are using it. If they use it, is it ABM? Does the ABM team get credit? But really just trying to define what it is and what it isn't, which you know we try to say like ABM is a program, not a team. So there are many people that can deliver ABM. But just again, just because they stamp a logo on something and send it out doesn't mean that it's an ABM um, tactic. So trying to identify what that is and then kind of as, as it spreads to many different teams um, to know what's happening. Um, the, and so that also goes to number two, which is sticking to the ITSMA framework. For those of us that are delivering true ABM, there's a framework, right? And you don't have to use that one. You use any framework you want, but communicating that from the very beginning, which we talked about leadership. Gemma is the leader of the ServiceNow team and is amazing. She put that in place from the very beginning. And now anyone who comes to the table during any part of the process can see exactly what's already happened, what's gonna happen, and then how it's gonna be delivered in the future. Um, and then lastly for us, it's the swim lanes. Um, as we talk about these compete, when you have a large organization, the bigger it gets, you're gonna start saying, okay, well, I'm doing um, digital ads. No, I'm doing digital ads, and, right? No, I'm doing digital ads. Like, okay, that's great. We shouldn't all be competing and buying up space for the same set of people. So how do you, and this was really brought to me by our digital team to say, here's the swim lanes. We're gonna give you LinkedIn um, emails, or in-mail and, um, this other type of uh, activity within digital, and these are the two lanes that ABM can play in. Here's the lanes for campaigns, here's the lanes for field marketing, here's the lanes for events, right? And it really helps to say, instead of us all doing all of the different channels, it gives us a place in each channel to be unique. Sorry. No, 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 it's, it's okay, it's okay. Nobody's gotten up yet, so I think we're good. Desiree, you? Uh, so on the Google Cloud side, um, account-based measurement, starting with number one. Uh, this is why it's so important to have strong leadership who advocates for change. Um, there really wasn't ABM-specific measurement within cloud marketing. Um, shout out to Ocrity, our fearless leader who is helping us be you know, champions of change within our organization. Um, and then you know, a lot of companies start with this MQL heavy model. That's ultimately not what we're trying to do with ABM. So how do we slowly start to introduce better leading indicators of success on a long term um, that show that ABM is effective and we don't need to adhere to an MQL model? Um, so that takes time. Sometimes you may have to compromise and give a little bit of MQLs in the beginning and, and move towards more specific measurement. Um, and then as far as scaling the team, number two, um, we really like to focus on one to few because I think it's the best way to hedge your bet. You're starting in the middle with a kind of petri dish or a smaller group of accounts and you're seeing what works. And if you see accounts that really start to stand out within their peer set, they can graduate to one-on-one -on -one and get an even more bespoke experience. Or you can learn something about that peer set and genericize it for one-to-many. So it's really, I think, the path to least resistance, starting in the middle, learning in that peer set, and then thinking about how it pertains to the rest 
of your industry, retail in, in my example, um, but there's a lot of context switching costs, right? So that's why you'll see right now, each of us leads have a certain amount of accounts, a certain amount of accounts in one to few, and a certain amount of one-on-one -on -one accounts um, there's huge context switching costs of going from one to one, one to few all day, every day. So we would eventually like to break those out. Um, you know, the retail is a team focusing on some people doing one to one and some people doing one to few um, so that we can really not have to sacrifice, um, you know, depth for breadth. Uh, and then the last one is growth and governance. 1,000% agree with Carrie on the governance part. Um, you know, what can we do to maintain integrity of ABM? We have amazing functions that are not ABM within our, our marketing department. How can we work and collaborate with them um, and, and maintain the, the swim lanes? I don't even know if swim lanes is the right word, but just making sure that um, when they are working with our team, there's an understanding of what it is we do and what we don't do, what constitutes a good ABM account and what doesn't, and what's the best way to get the return on your investment by believing in ABM. Uh, and that trust is earned, especially with sellers, doesn't happen overnight. Um, and if they understand the best way to partner with you, then it's a mutual benefit for both parties. Wow, I mean, we've known that the industry has been trending toward customer centricity lately, and there's just nothing better than getting those real-world insights into ABM strategies from the successful companies who are running them. Agreed. Honestly, this is what I love most about B2BMX. It's these real people sharing their real strategies and successful outcomes. So this was a really awesome session. I'd like to thank everyone so much for listening today. We're available on your podcast player of choice, so be sure to subscribe to our pod today so you're in the loop for all the latest episode drops. And of course, make sure to connect with us on Twitter and LinkedIn to share your feedback and just let us know who else you want to hear from on the pod. That is officially a wrap on episode six. So yeah, we'll see you next week.